first! Over the line! What we've got here is failure to communicate. I want winners. I call that bold talk for a one-eyed fat man. And here are your hosts, RJ Young and Brandon Drum. Holy hell, yes, it is podcast time, and my goodness, do we have a loaded show. First, there's my man, Brandon Drum. Brandon, what's up? What's up, man? It's huge. Right, and we've been working <laughs> the Brock Vandergriff commit story from both ends for three days now, honestly. I've been on it for three days. You've been on it for longer because, well, you're just that good. And then I was like, hey, man, this is happening. He's like, yep, I know, so let's let's kill it. And I was like, see, this is why I love working with this guy. But he's talked to Brock Vandergriff. Personally, we're going to air that interview for you in this podcast. You're welcome. He also talked to Greg Vandegrift. We're going to air bits of that really excellent conversation for you in this podcast. You're welcome once more. And I talked to Barton Simmons, director of scouting at 247 Sports, about one, what he thinks about Brock Vandegrift committing, two, how that reframes the whole 2020 quarterback recruiting argument, and three, what I think you all want to hear about is what the hell's going on with the rankings at top 247 and 24-7 sports composite, and Barton had what I thought was actually a really excellent answer for you. But first, Brandon, bro, what are you thinking right now? Like, I've been running raggedy all day since doing the radio show and whatnot. What's going on with you? Well, I mean, I knew it was going to go down, and it dropped a little. So, originally, it was supposed to drop around lunchtime, um, and I had set up an interview with Brock and his dad, around uh, 10 30 11 a.m and they got done with 707 so i talked to his dad on monday and i said hey when can i do this because i know you know you're already committing yada 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 and he said look call me at this time and we'll get it done well brock dropped his video and he did it on purpose because he just wanted to get away from his phone he said and kind of blew everybody away that it dropped you know 8 39 o'clock in the morning uh, but what a way to wake up if you weren't already awake and you were at work. That's a shocker when you get that notification on your phone and everything starts to blow up. And you see Lincoln Ryan in the eyeballs at 7.30 in the morning. Um, my wife, I, 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 obviously I've had a couple of back procedures, so I sleep when I can. And she's like nudging me like, sweet lady she is. She has Lincoln Ryan notification on her Twitter as well to make sure I don't miss anything. She's like nudging me. She's like, eyeballs, eyeballs. And so, but I knew what was going to happen. Um, Don't let me go. Yeah. So I knew it was happening, but I was like, eh. I was like, eh, well, I'll just get up, on, get up on the board. Literally, as I get done doing, hey, it's going to be a big one today. Enjoy it. Twelve to noon is like, because I twelve to two is what I put just so I could give myself some time to really delve into it, get get the write ups done, and boom, he just drops a video. I was like, what the crap. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, the timing was shocking, him committing was not, but, uh, it's huge for Oklahoma, and what Greg Vandergriff and Brock says about Lincoln Riley is going to blow OU fans away, and we're only giving you, like, bits and pieces of this on the podcast, so there's a lot, I I went, like, full everything on OU Insider, uh, word for word, what they gave, and... Uh, some of the things they said will just blow your mind. I mean, like you said, it, it's it's going to be a big podcast, and obviously with uh, 
we've got a lot of other people coming on here as well. Um, it, it, it's just big. I, this is a big day for OU, big day for recruiting. And, uh, I mean, I got Latrell Neville texting me saying, look, this 2021 class at Oklahoma is going to be insane. And he's going to take a visit here pretty soon as well. So, I mean, it's already showing. Ripples are already starting to show. Well, now that you set up the Greg Vandergriff bit, we're going to play that right here. Did you all, I guess, whenever you uh, made the decision, knowing, you know, kind of there's going to be a little bit of backlash being in Athens, have, I mean, did that was that something like you had to, like, sit down and talk to Brock about and be like, hey, look, this is how it's going to react? Or did he actually kind of feel it coming anyways, regardless of what happened? Well, uh, you know, I think you have to be very honest with your son. You know, his mom is, is more of a real, I'm an optimist and she's a realist. And so, you know, she wanted to make sure we talked about the reality of, you know, what making a commitment to someone someplace other than the Southeast looks like. And, you know, having done that, just because how our, you know, our society works and how things work, I mean, mm-hmm. there's always naturally haters and people that. Mm-hmm. You know, want to say you couldn't do this or couldn't do that. And so, you know, it's a thing where at the end of the day, you have to make a decision that you think's best for yourself and in your future. And, and we felt like he did that. You know, we talked about stress just a second ago. Did you feel the stress of it or did you just kind of like, hey, man, you make the decision for you and we're backing it? Because, I mean, I watched the, you know, the, the, the book of Manning. And I guess I'm kind of analogy since you're both quarterbacks and, uh, he had to make that decision knowing the backlash with the old Miss and with it, but also RG had to kind of like give him the front like he said but as a father did you feel that you know that you're going to take a couple of lumps with this as well you know um, you know I'm, I, I, one that, that's out there like a cloud yeah but again you know if you're that optimi- optimistic person you don't look at the clouds you look at the sun <laughs> yeah. so it, it's a it, it's a thing where clouds are always there. You know, there's always people that, no matter if we chose Georgia, somebody's going to say, oh my gosh, I took a single like kid. You know, if we chose yeah. Florida, oh my goodness, you left Georgia to go to Florida. And now, you're going to Oklahoma, oh my goodness, you're leaving, leaving the South. So, you know, there's always retractors and people that are going to pull. You can't make your decisions based on the hate mail you receive. Yeah. I got So, you. again, just sort of going back, what I'd always told him is, I'll help you, you know, I'll help you get to three, but at three, you need to make the decision because, you know, some night when he's 19 and laying in bed in northern Oklahoma and he just had a bad day throwing that day, he got picked five times or whatever, and he's thinking, oh my gosh, I'm the worst quarterback to ever play football. He has to say, I made this choice. He, you know, he's not going to lay in bed and say, you know, if my dad hadn't made me come here. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when he takes ownership, then he also takes ownership to compete. He takes ownership to make himself the best. He takes ownership to learn the playbook. He takes ownership to come out there and become the best Oklahoma center he can be. When you and I started talking back in January, and really the first thing you ever said was to me was, hey, it's Lincoln Riley. When he comes and talks and offers your son, you listen, and you set up a visit instantly. And we kind of talked about that off the record. Um, and did you, when he made that decision and kind of told you, hey, I'm going to OU, and obviously you already kind of had a feeling that's where it was going to go. 
was it kind of like, this is awesome, I'm going to get to, my son's going to get coached by Lincoln Riley type deal? I mean, a lot of quarterbacks kind of in, that's kind of their deal now, is they want to be coached by Dabo Sweeney, Lincoln Riley. Um, they want to play for Georgia. They want to play for those type of schools. Was that the type of kind of a deal? Were you just kind of at that point, like, uh, you know, we kind of figured that was the deal and, and we'll move on and, and kind of get ready for the season? You know, well, it's a deal where um, just, just looking at, one, what's going on and, and – the trend in college football and the trend in the NFL, you know, one, for the first time, I, I would dare say in the history of football, college football's influence in the NFL more than vice versa. It used to always matriculate down. Now, there's still a couple branches on NFL, you know, coming down to college, but there's a lot of college. Now, not everybody in college. There's a few specific people that are having a profound effect on the NFL game. Right. Well, if you look at it like that, if you look at it from, again, I'm one of those stats don't lie, you know, look, look at a body of work, you know, so as we first started analyzing and looking at schools and those kind of things, you have to honestly look at it and say, okay, what is their body of work and what have they produced? And so if you look at, okay, I don't mean this wrong, I mean, look, Lincoln Riley comes from nowhere, East Carolina. You uh, know what I'm saying? Yeah. If, if any, if anybody, or is there anyone out there writing that the hotbed of coaches come from East Carolina? I don't think anybody's writing articles about that. No, I mean, so, yeah. And, and so, you know, Lincoln, you know, again, and then, you know, Bob Stoops, he goes, and it's like Bob Stoops realized this guy is, is the future. Now, this is my take on it from the South. You follow me? Yeah. No, and, I, and yeah, Stoops, I got you. There, there, there could be a whole lot more story behind it, but this is just my look at it. So Bob Stoops, you know, realizes that one of he's going to retire, and he's like, of all the dudes in the room, he looks over here, and over here is Luke Skywalker. You know, or over here is the next Yoda. You know, if you want to look at the old, you know, trilogy deal. And this guy is the guy. And he knew immediately. And it's funny, and coaching, you know the guys. You know the guys that just, they get it. Can't explain it. You, you can't, you know, you can't break down the DNA of it. They just get it. Yeah. And so, as you look at what Lincoln Riley has done, they just gets it. Now, Brandon, you got to tell me, man. There's a lot of you talking back and forth because I've heard the whole uncut version and I enjoy it. And none of you will ever, ever listen to it. It will never see the light of day. You're going to get what's on this podcast and what Brandon wrote, and you better be nice to Brandon because maybe he wrote a lot because that's that's like a half-hour conversation to transcribe. So if he wants to do it, you should hit him up. That yeah, said, it, took, it took a while. <laughs> right. That said, what were the bits of – like I thought the, the part that we played – let's talk about the parts we played first. Greg, Greg saying, Greg saying, look, I'm a head coach. I understand what good coaching looks like. I also know that – Bob Stoops looking at around the room at the coaches that he's had, at the coaches that he has at the time, and saying Lincoln Riley's the next Yoda. That <laughs> rang out with me because he said, "You want to go with the whole Star Wars deal?" Like I, I, I love listening to this interview because Greg Vandegrift was raw and uncut about all this, but he was saying what I've been saying, which is, if Lincoln Riley offers your kid, 
you really got to pay attention. You got to listen to what he has to say. And that seemed to weigh on them. And I thought that was particularly interesting because Brock is a quarterback and his dad's a head coach. So if anybody's BS detector would be on an all-time high, it'd be them, right? Yeah. No, this, this, this was like from the get-go. When they got offered in January, and I reached out to Greg, and I said, man, what, are you all good? Is this, is this like a legit deal? And he said, man, look. And then this was all off the record. He goes, Lincoln Riley came in and talked to me since I'm the coach I'm allowed to. And that's one of the benefits Brock has is I'm the dad as well. So the coach gets to talk to Lincoln Riley, and he just so happens to be the dad of the five stars. So when that happened, it was a huge deal. And he showed up, watched Brock play basketball, and literally just sat there and kind of talked to Greg. As just like because he could, and it, it showed just the 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 offer was massive for Greg. I mean, it was massive, and it was more so for Brock. And when you go and you read what Brock Vandergriff said, he goes, "The second OU offered, I could not get it out of my mind. Couldn't get it out of my mind." And that to me says everything. And then when you got a dad who's just you know, he's the filter for Brock as well. And Brock's not naive. Brock's a really smart kid. So, but he also filters a lot of things out. And he talks about it in that interview. He says, look, I'll get you down to three. But when it comes time to you making that decision, those final three, you've got to decide that because it's not going to be my fault if something goes wrong and you're stuck in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're upset about throwing five picks and stuff like that. And that's the dad part of it. You know, he, he's looking out for him, but at the same time, he wants him to make his own life-altering decision and not way back on him. And we, he kind of referenced, and he and I referenced, you know, the Archie Manning deal leaving and just the, the persecution that you get whenever you leave the Southeast or you leave that hometown team. And for instance, Archie Manning and Peyton, it was Ole Miss. I mean, he's going to go through a lot of that stuff, and that's where he said, that's where I'm a dad, and that's why I'm here to protect him. I also thought one of the things that he spoke to was what his kid knows he's getting into and how mm-hmm. he expects Brock to handle it. And I got that in talking with him as well. He's not making any decisions, you know, lighthearted. He's also, like you said, it was supposed to go out later. He dropped it earlier. He wanted to get it over with as quickly as possible. I'm sure his phone has not stopped going off. Probably chucked it into the bathtub at this point. <laughs> because, you know, like he was even, he was saying, look, when I know, and I'm sure I'll make a decision, if for no other reason then I don't want to keep Coach Riley waiting. You know, I know that he's got things to do. I've got things to do. And if this is what, what it is, let's not drag this out. Because this is a kid that really didn't like being recruited. <laughs> like, he no, liked, he hated it. Right, yeah. no, he liked the coaching. You know, you like being able to get to know college football, and I think he wants to talk a lot of ball. I think he wants to get onto a football field as soon as possible. But I also think he's not so quiet about things. You know, like he's not going to clam up. I, I, I'll never forget getting Landry Jones to talk about himself was just the hardest thing in the world. <laughs> Even as he's got a good argument for being the best quarterback of all time at Oklahoma, at least statistically, right? But yeah. Vandegrift, he'll, he'll answer your questions. You know, but he's also going to say, if you ask him, do you like being recruited? No, nah, not really. I mean, I appreciate the accolades. I appreciate people having nice things to say like we all do. But at the end of the day, I just want to go play and I want to go win. And I'm like, you're going to fit right in over here, sir. Like, that's, that's yeah. what people want to hear. 
Yeah, no, he he, he is. He, he is that. A lot of people don't understand that with Oklahoma, yeah, it's a flashy program, but it's made with a lot of blue-collar kids that were highly touted kids, but they're not the highly touted kids that were the look at me. I mean, and that's kind of what has built the program for the longest time. Um, and especially, I mean, of, of course you got the Bakers, but the ba- Baker was also a blue-collar kid and the fact that he worked his butt off to get where he is. And same with Kyler. Kyler may have been highly touted, but he worked so hard, and that's all he wanted to do was work. So that Vandergrift fits that mold as far as a leader when it comes to the program. So I I don't know. I I love I love the get uh, for OU. I love the get for Riley. I think they fit well. Um, and I think look more new good news is down the road here in the next week or two, and even in July, you're going to get a couple of more good news coming around. So it, it's going to be – summer's going to be fun for Oklahoma. Vandergrift's just getting started. One of the things that I think that gets undersold about all of this is how important it is to get the quarterback that you want in the boat as early as possible. Yes. Not just because that guy fits what you're doing schematically and personnel-wise and you want to have a guy that you know can do the things that you need your quarterback to do in the offense that you want to run. But also, I'll never forget getting Spencer Rattler into the 2019 class so quickly allowed for you to recruit around him, allowed for him to help you in recruiting. Even as you know, guys like Trajan Bridges actually took that torch and said, no, we're going to go play. He was also going to say, we're going to go play with this kid. We're going to go play with a five-star quarterback. Have you seen this guy throw the ball around? Look at his heart of film if you haven't met him. And then by the time they got to the opening final, they were already – in the midst of having become fast friends, doing the kinds of things that say, we want to play on the same seven on 17. And I think that is also uh, instructive as we Mm -hmm. talk about the 2020 recruiting class, because I believe that if Lincoln wanted to have a quarterback in it and and let's, well, he obviously did. If he got Bryce young to be the quarterback in this class, we'd be talking about it differently because I think it would be made up a bit differently. Yeah, and that's for Vanegrift. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but also, that's just the way that it goes, is what I'm saying. I'm not saying that the 2020 class would be remarkably better or worse, or the 2021 class might be remarkably better or worse. I am saying that the correlation between getting a quarterback in in your first one to five commits is monster. It's monster. It's, it, it is, mm-hmm. it separates you. I mean, it really does. Like, it is the difference between the top 10 class and just edging into the top 20. I mean, it wasn't so long ago that we're talking about Oklahoma finishing in the rankings of, like, what, 18? Yeah. 20, 2016, 2015? Yeah, 20, 2016. Yeah, yeah, 2016 was bad. Well, look, you're right, because, look, all you have to do is go back to 2017. Chris Roberson jumped in early. That class blew up. Uh, 2018, obviously, it took a little bit. Mordecai came in about you know, this time, and it took off a little more, and then um, with 2019, you got Rattler, and I mean, that class was the best class Oklahoma's seen in a long time, and now you got the 2020 class, it's not struggling, it's 13th in the nation, it probably finished between 5 and 10, even without a quarterback, but I think with a quarterback, they probably would have finished, you know, top 5, you know, that's the difference that a quarterback, top quarterback makes in the class. Now with this twenty twenty one class, you have Bandegriff on board. It is only gonna get better. You got you already have Cody Jackson already on board as well. And, and you've got a chance to land a couple more guys 
and, and you watch the dominoes and start falling. This 2021 land and get Oklahoma being a five-star quarterback, it's going to pay dividends in 2020 as well because kids are going to want to play with this five-star quarterback. It doesn't matter what side of the ball. They want to play on a team that has a good quarterback because guess what teams are going to play for the national title? The teams with a good quarterback unless you're Alabama. Those are the only program, that's the only program that has played with subpar quarterbacking uh, and won a national title. Would you call Jake Fromm subpar quarterbacking? No. I think Jake Fromm's a good quarterback. Okay. Well, I'm asking because that would yeah. – when you, when you ask me about quarterback play, I think of elite. I think of the guys that are setting records, are knocking the Jalen Hurts off of the starting position. Like I, I continue to say, you can make an argument if you're Georgia that Jake Fromm is a better quarterback than Tua Tagovailoa, if for no other reason than he kept yeah. Jacob Eason and Justin Fields on the bench. Exactly. I think Jake Fromm is great. Well, I'm just I saying he's that, awesome. I'm just saying Jalen Hurts didn't do that, right? So, like, it, all of that stuff goes into effect, and I think it's also about swagger, right? Uh, this point has been made by Barton Simmons that Jake Fromm took that job, wasn't going to give that job up, and there's not a quarterback in the country that felt like they could walk into Georgia and take that job from him. As a matter of fact, I think that's a good time to drop this really cool podcast, uh, I say podcast, this really cool interview with Barton Simmons right here. I'm here with Director of Scouting for 247 Sports, CBS National College Football Writer, Barton Simmons. Barton, how you doing, man? RJ, I'm great. Appreciate you talking to me. No, nah, man, I appreciate you making time for us. Uh, this is a very big deal over here at Oklahoma because Lincoln Riley has landed the top quarterback recruit in the 2021 class, according to some, according to me. Five-star athlete, guy that picked Georgia over Florida, or excuse me, picked Oklahoma over Georgia and Florida. But I wanted to get your quick assessment about what this means for OU, particularly because you picked up a 2021 quarterback before you picked up a 2020 quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I mean, to me, it's a perfect um, kind of bridge and line of succession at the quarterback position. Obviously, we know we're getting the one year this year with Jalen Hurts. Right. Uh, were. And then Spencer Rattler, who to me is, is college-ready. Now, I know he didn't come in in the spring, but I think he's a talented enough kid that uh, had he gotten on campus quickly and gotten integrated into things quickly, that he, he was has the ability to compete for a starting job as a true freshman. But it's never a bad thing for, for a one-year kind of sit-and-learn period. And so with that in play now, you got sort of a, a, a two-year buffer between – uh, Spencer Rattler and the next great quarterback and Brock Vandergriff. So you got one year Jalen Hurts. You get a redshirt freshman season as a starter with Spencer Rattler. This is how I'm projecting it, anyways. You get two years of Spencer Rattler. I think he's that good. I think he's, he could be a two and done guy. Uh, soft redshirt sophomore year, he's out. And then Brock Vandergriff, having been a redshirt, then steps in as a redshirt freshman. And, and so you're getting, I mean, this is after um, Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, but then you're getting Jalen Hurts. Spencer Rattler and Brock Vandergriff, and look, I know this is a projection, and we don't even know if Spencer Rattler uh, can hold a clipboard yet, but we, <laughs> I sure think he can. I sure think he's going to be a really good player, and so if, if he's what we think he is, if Brock Vandergriff is what we think he is, then that's uh, suddenly uh, just a remarkable stretch of quarterback recruiting, and, and I think we've seen what Lincoln Riley can do from a development standpoint. So, man, it's, 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 it sure is a scary thought, you know, if you're a Big 12 foe. Uh, I mean, this thing's not flowing down anytime soon. Right, and I, it brings into question something that I've been beating a hammer about, quite honestly, 
which is you take a quarterback every year, you take a quarterback every year, you take a quarterback every year, and yet you look at what Oklahoma's been able to do in these two odd years with the commitment of 2021, and then Spencer Rattler is on campus, and we know that all of the guys that Lincoln has offered and the 2020 class have committed elsewhere, so now I'm really having to answer questions about do you even take a quarterback in 2020 knowing what lies ahead, knowing that you got this year with Jalen Hurts, Tanner Mordecai is still there, he's not chopped liver. What do you think? What should? What would you do if it was up to you? I mean, I, I think I would, because you just don't, I mean, there, there's, I mean, how, how is Tanner Mordecai, uh, I mean, I guess he's going to sit there and uh, expect to compete next year, and I just, knowing what, what I've seen out of Spencer Rattler, I have a hard time seeing him lose that, that job, right. and so then you're sitting there with a, a pretty limited depth chart in 2020, and so I would take a quarterback this year. I still think, especially um, given that, I mean, uh, Lincoln Riley isn't sort of shackled to, you know, the 6'4 uh, quarterback. I mean, he's kind of got that Cliff Kingsbury mentality where he's going to go take a playmaker where he can find him. And, and it's sort of like what Clemson did uh, this year, this past year, the 2019 cycle. Uh, look, it's going to be hard to find a quarterback that's going to come in there and play behind Trevor Lawrence. It's going to be hard to find a quarterback that knows DJ Uyakulale is coming behind him and is willing to, 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 to get in there and, and, and compete with those guys. But I took a guy named Tyson Pumashan, who's, uh, uh, who is a raw prospect that isn't expected to come in and compete for a starting job. But if he develops the right way, all of a sudden he's got a ceiling that's similar to those other guys. So I think that Lincoln Riley has the expertise to go find a kid that might not be ready-made right now, might not expect to come in, and be an instant starter, but has some some upside and some back end value to where he's worth you know it's worth it for him to take a shot and go get in there and learn, and it's worth it for Oklahoma to give him a shot and, and just build out that depth chart. But the nice thing about Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley and where they're at right now in the whole sort of pecking order and national landscape and quarterback recruiting is that the transfer portal is such fertile ground for them right now, and so I. I I think it's a it's a different era where uh, you know, there is you, know, you can sort of dip in there if if the, the, the depth chart doesn't have the depth to make you comfortable in a year or so uh, so there's that sort of safety net uh, but I think I'd still go ahead and grab one just to, to, to make sure that you're you're comfortable uh, given an injury or something of that nature in the next year or so no and those are all very good points and, and I'm glad you spoke to the idea of taking a project on at 2020. Now, in regard to the depth chart and how those things turn out, I was remind, or I reminded myself, look, Kirby Smart brought in Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, and Justin Fields, and I think we all would have picked Justin or Jake, uh, Jake Fromm to be the guy that perhaps ends up transferring away, and that's just not how it worked, because he, he won the job, and he kept the job, right. and no matter what you think, Justin Fields ain't there no more, right? So, I mean, it's right. as much as we want to say that these guys are amazing and they still could be, Jacob East is going to get a shot at Washington, Justin Fields is going to get a shot at Ohio State. That's how it goes sometimes, right? Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, that Kirby Smart's uh, recruiting, and uh, and I guess you know Mark Rick gets some credit for that because he was the one that got Jacob Eason. Um, but Kirby Smart's quarterback recruiting ultimately uh, – has put him in a bit of a bind because yes, I mean, uh, Jake Fromm won that job. Jacob Eason transferred. Justin Fields got in there behind 
Jake Fromm, and, and I would argue that there's not a quarterback in college football that once Jake Fromm won that job was going to go beat him out. Mm-hmm. Jake Fromm just wasn't going to blink. He wasn't going to make a mistake to get to open that door for someone. And so then Justin Fields transfers out, and then look, look at where we are now with Georgia. we got Jake Fromm, and behind him is a former walk-on uh, that transferred out, transferred back in from the junior college ranks on scholarship now to Georgia. It's a very limited depth chart. And so there's there's not a lot of room for error at the quarterback position this year. And so that's, that is the trials and tribulations of the quarterback position. That's why I think it's it's more than just – I think it is going out and, and just, hey, taking your shots, getting a bunch of talented guys because you don't know who's going to win. You don't know who's going to transfer. You just go get guys that are willing to compete. So, yeah, do that. But I think there is some balance in play there. Finding a guy, uh, you know, sandwiched in the class here, a class there, that understands what his role is going to be. And, I mean, we see it right now at, at Alabama. I mean, Tua's got the job. Uh, but Mac Jones, who came in and could have been at Kentucky and probably been a starter right now at Kentucky, but understood what he was taking on when he signed with, with Alabama that, look, I might be a backup for a few years, and it's going to take me some time to win this job if I win it. And and uh, Alabama right now has a, a quality backup if Tua gets hurt. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's some there is some nuance to recruiting the quarterback position, probably more so than ever in this sort of transfer age right now. And uh, and it's a it's a it's a tricky balance to sort of measure and weigh. Okay, cool. Uh, now. Sticky subject for us right now, which is that uh, ranks released by rivals. They named that kid the number one overall recruit. Two days later, he commits to Oklahoma. And I'm fielding questions about 247, top 247. And I keep telling everybody, the 247 composite exists for a reason, guys. One is this. And two, can you please explain how this works? When the evalu- I mean, we got the opening final coming up next week. Reevaluation is going to happen. We're going to get what we get. What at the end of the of July, middle of July? Please walk people through how this works and why some rankings look differently than others. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I kind of have to chuckle a little bit. Like, I, I, by, by your by your tone, like it sounds like there is some board uh, hand wringing about him being ranked. I guess too low at 24-7 sports relative to the composite. Am I reading that correctly? You are reading that correctly, sir. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which is, which is, which to me, and, and again, like I look at this from, I, I understand that the people that are sort of have issue with the ranking are looking at from an Oklahoma lens right. and, hey, uh, Lincoln Riley, the quarterback guru of all quarterback gurus, only offered one guy in this class and look what he's done, look where he's camped, look, look you know, and, and, well, how is he not number one? And then when you look at it from, from my perspective, which is a much more national perspective uh, where, you know, we have to consider really everyone in the country and you look at, okay, he isn't the number one player in the country like someone else has him. He's all the way down at, what, 35 overall of all the players, of all the thousands of players <laughs> that are rising juniors right now that have only played one season of varsity football for the most part. There's only 34 we have ranked higher, uh, regardless of position. So it's like we obviously think very highly of Brock Vandegrift, right. um, and and there is literally two entire seasons of of a body of work that we will evaluate. So we're in no rush to reevaluate. We don't feel uncomfortable with where we have Brock Vandegrift right now. I think we got him in a great spot uh, relative to the rest of the country. It's actually a really good year. 
uh, at the quarterback position, at least it appears to be in 2021. There, there's a lot of good candidates um, at the top of the rankings. And again, I mean, this, they're about to enter what's really probably their most important season in terms of evaluation. I mean, it, it really, I mean, if we're, we, we rank guys before their sophomore seasons for the first time. And, and we do that because of, we, there's a demand that I think it is valuable and important to kind of just set the table and say, all right, here, here's who the guys we think are, are emerging and who colleges think are emerging at that. But truth be told, I mean, if we're in a perfect world, we wouldn't throw slap a grade on these guys until well after their junior seasons because that's just, that's such a critical time in, in terms of their development. So, uh, we got a lot of a, a lot of runway on this class, and so I'm not promising he'll move up. I'm not promising he'll stay the same. I'm not promising he'll move down. But I, I, I can guarantee you this: we think he is, without question, one of the best quarterbacks in the class at this early stage. We are very aware of him. We're going to see a lot of him, and uh, you know he's he is. I don't, I, you know, when I saw him. The number one player in the country for another network. I didn't scoff at that. I mean, it's, it's certainly a, an understandable ranking, and, and I can I can follow that line of thinking. Um, we don't have him there yet. We don't have him there right now, but uh, we're going to continue to evaluate him uh, in the context of all the quarterbacks nationally uh, that are you know competing coast to coast uh, in camps, combines, seven on sevens, but but most importantly. Uh, on Friday nights, which is coming up here in the next couple months. Sometimes I think the smartest thing that you ever did was go to a non-Power 5 school for undergrad. It's like, <laughs> I got to believe bullets come flying your way all the time, bro. And I really... There's no clear. The, the fact that I can sort of claim a, a true non-bias is, is helpful, for sure. I'm, and I'm from Nashville originally, so I am in sort of SEC country right. growing up. But, uh, you know, I don't think... Being a Nashville native, I don't think anybody's going to accuse me of being uh, a, a Vandy homer <laughs> on the national front either. So, you know, it gives me a little bit of plausible deniability through this process. And, and the truth is, like, and I know it's hard for people to wrap their heads around it because they are looking at it with, you know, through the lens of, of whatever school they follow. But, you know, we, we are so motivated by nothing more than getting it right. Uh, and uh, and so that's that drives me every day is, is is trying to trying to get it right and um and you know we we don't you know we're, we're, we're certainly take into account what we know about where guys stand on on the board and uh different programs and and what coaches that have good reputations think about guys and you know i think that that is not irrelevant that lincoln riley put a big circle around Brock Vandegrift and said, this is my guy for 2021. We're not ignoring that fact. Um, but uh, like I said, only 34 guys we got ranked higher than him. So we, we, we certainly agree with Lincoln that he's, uh, he's worth uh, chasing pretty, pretty heavily. It's Barton Simmons, Barton Simmons, excuse me, Barton, uh, director of scouting for 247, CBS Sports National College football writer. Barton, I really do appreciate you taking time. I'm going to use that clip that you, you want to get it right. That is the goal. Yeah. The goal is to get it right. I'm going to use that every time. I'm glad that you said it. I'm going to plaster it across a wall somewhere. <laughs> and hopefully this gets it through folks' head. Hey, hey man, uh, have a good afternoon. Thanks so much. Of course. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on and talking. All right, brother. Okay, so Brandon, one of the things that I wanted to hit on with you in particular is how this changes OU's 2020 quarterback recruiting. Barton made a bunch of good points, one of which is you got to take into account the transfer portal in a way that you didn't. 
yeah. but it also means that your quarterback recruiting has to be much more nuanced than it once was. Because now you know that kids can go in, right? But you also know that you bring in a kid now that you know is probably not going to be a five-star, more than likely not going to be a four-star. He's going to be a project, and he's going to be the kind of guy that, as Barton said, ends up like Mac Jones out at Alabama. You knew what the gig was when you got here. You know, mm-hmm. like the decision that Jalen Hurts had to make last year was to tell Saban, you want to be the number two, or I got to get Mac Jones ready to go in there if something happens to Tua. And he decided to stay, and now Mac Jones has to be ready when something happens to Tua. Do you think that that's the way that Oklahoma is going to go? Just go get a project guy. I don't. I don't know. See, that's 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 the question because if they don't get a project guy, they're probably going to take a, another offensive lineman, and I think that's going to be your answer. If they end up taking another offensive lineman or two, let's say another offensive lineman, they got they have two spots open, and say I say another, I say a fifth. Say they're going to take four offensive linemen, right? And say if they take a fifth, then that's going to be your answer, in my opinion. I don't know because they still have two spots open with the offensive line, and we don't know what's going to happen at that point um, with that, those two offensive line spots. So I think that's going to be the telltale sign. And I don't know when we're going to know that. It could be in July. It could be in August that we're going to know exactly who takes those other two offensive line spots or not. And it, it may go into the season. Who knows? I mean, Van Pran's not going to announce till December. So, I mean, there's a lot to really, really take into. There's a lot to take in right now to try to figure out what they're going to do. And I'm told that if Oklahoma takes a fifth offensive lineman, they're not going to take a quarterback. If they do take a quarterback, they're only going to take four offensive linemen. So that's going to be the telltale something for me. And I think a lot of that is going to be how does Bill Bedenbo feel about what he's got? Because yeah, the, I think, again, you're, you're right to point to August because by preseason camp, you're going to know if Bray Walker is the guy that we all think he is, if Daryl Simpson is the guy that we all think he is. You know, you know you have one more year of Creed Humphrey, and then he's got to, you got to kick him out. You know, if nothing else, yeah. it's not even that that kid's going to leave early, or as uh, Coach Jones likes to share on, on my station, early outs. It's like, no, you you want to kick that kid in the NFL because that's, that's where he needs to be, right? And we don't get to yeah. say that very often about college football players that are juniors or redshirt sophomores, right? And I think that's going to be interesting. But how do you feel about what you got? Because you're probably going to run Eric Swenson and Adrian Ely out there. If you feel mm-hmm. good about Daryl Simpson and Bray Walker at guard, cool. What about right? RJ Proctor? Right, right, exactly. Because would one of those dudes be able to, to make it through sitting behind RJ Proctor for a year? You know, because Bray Walker is the kind of kid that everybody would want. Not to say Bray Walker's mm-hmm. the one anywhere. That's not what I'm insinuating. No, I am no, saying no. That, that things happen, right? Uh, injuries yeah. happen. Remember when Cody Ford went down in 2016? You know, uh, nobody changed went, the whole dynamic right, of that Ohio right. State game because OU was driving up and down the field on them until they got hurt. And I think that I have said repeatedly, and I told Barton this, you take a quarterback every year, you take a quarterback every year, you take a quarterback every year. Because the same thing that happened to Cody Ford can happen to Spencer Rattler, can happen to Jalen Hurts, can happen to Tanner Mordecai, can happen to Brock Vandegrift. You just never know. So you always want to have your bases covered. and. I don't know about you, but I love Mikey Henderson. I still don't want to see him play quarterback at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like, I he doesn't even—he's not even going to play quarterback for his team this year, right? So. Because he's trying to prepare, and I don't blame him. That's that's the move, right? Why play it another year if you know that's not what you're going to do at the next level? 
So when you talk about taking a fifth offensive lineman versus taking a quarterback, you might just be able to take what's available to you, right? And that makes the decision easy. Mm-hmm. But I would always want to have a guy that I like who I would feel comfortable with throwing passes back there as opposed to just loading up in an offensive line class that ain't going to be what the 2021 offensive line class looks like it's going to be. Yeah. You know, well, like, I think, I think that's where Schaefer comes in. I think that I think I think they're going to get Schaefer special. I do. I think right now, I don't think Riley has any intentions of taking a twenty twenty quarterback. I don't. I don't. I don't foresee that happening. Now, could he? Sure, it could be a flyer like we talked about. I said that would be the only way that he does it if he takes a flyer, and that won't shock me. That will not shock me at all. And I know that's fence riding, but they 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 have that. They have a beautiful option of taking or not taking because one, they have a really good walk on that is. Could probably play at a lot of Division One schools and be on scholarship. And two, they have the 2019 and 2021 kids, the number one quarterbacks in both classes. So I mean, they have an opportunity to do whatever they want in 2020. And if they take somebody, oh well. But one thing they're not going to do is they're not going to take somebody in 2020 that is going to scare off Bart Vandergriff. Not going to happen. So well, it's not going to be a big name. Well, I also think. I don't that know. But could you turn down Bryce Young? Yes. Y- yes, 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 you could. Uh, and I'm going to let me unpack that for just a second. If okay. you'd asked me that question back in January, I would have said, no, you can't turn down Bryce Young. And this is even if Brock Vandegrift had committed the day he was offered, right? Back in January when Lincoln Riley went to go see him play ball, <clears throat> basketball, not right. football. Yeah. But I also saw what transpired at USC like you did. We saw them fire the offensive staff, we saw them hire Cliff Kingsbury. We saw Cliff Kingsbury leave them in the lurch, and we saw them hire Graham Harrell. But there was so much time between there, and you and I were talking to his people. Uh, and we're talking about, hey, how do you guys feel about this? And they wanted to see how things shook out, and they were staying committed. They weren't necessarily that happy with the situation because there wasn't really anything, anything around him in the class, and there still isn't, right? Because the 2019 guys are not him. But I also looked at that, and I said, you really want it to be at USC because – you had every opportunity to jump ship to a better program, to a winning program, to a program that just played in the college football playoff, and to a program that does nothing but put quarterbacks at number one overall in the NFL draft the past two years and win Heisman Trophy, and you said no. And I think that's this is where the, the back and forth of recruiting and the business aspect of it needs to come into play because I don't know about you, but I know coaches to be vindictive is all hell. You know, they nobody holds a, cr- a grudge better than a than a football coach. <laughs> Some of them don't even like you playing a different sport if if <clears throat> if you're not that good, right? If they can't afford to let you yeah. play that sport. So I look at it and I say, Nah, I would rather have a project quarterback or a Tanner Schaefer, a guy that I know is going to bleed in this uniform before they decide to quit on it, than go get a guy that probably didn't want to be here in the first place and will be probably the first quarterback out the door. When it's time to, to figure out who my next quarterback is going to be after Jalen Hurts, and I would think, like I would say about you know your boy Jason, or Jason, your boy Jalen Redmond, who we both know is an outstanding talent. I was saying, and I would still say, I give his reps to guys that I know are healthy because he hasn't been right now. That's out the door. That's out that 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 horse has left the stable because he they want him. And they wanted to be good. Oh, yeah. and they've decided to throw all their eggs in the basket of Jalen Redmond. And I think a lot of that is because Jalen Redmond's throwing all his 
eggs in the basket of Oklahoma. He wants to be here. You know, he could quit. I wouldn't blame him. I mean, it's a scary thing to, to come back from. But that's what I see with the Bryce Young thing. Is like I don't, I don't really even think that at this point, especially after you got Vandegrift in the boat, I don't even know they would recruit him anymore. Honestly, I'm being serious right now. And I liked Bryce Young. I liked him a lot. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I'm with you. I don't. That's why I say I don't know that I would take Bryce Young at this point. And that, don't get me wrong, because I'm a huge Bryce Young fan. Um, I think he brings a lot of what he's a mixture. Just like Brattler, he's kind of a mixture of Baker and Kyler with athleticism. Um, he's not going to just burn you, you know, uh, with his speed. But he's he's fast enough and quick enough in the pocket that he's going to make a lot of plays with his feet and keep keep the the play going. Um, he's got a really good arm too, and he he comes from a, a program that produces really good quarterbacks. So you know he's going to be developed well. Um, so having said that. I don't know that you can do that just because you you have to see and you have seen in person if you were at that camp or anywhere what Brock Vandergriff is. And yes, I know it was just one-on-ones and there weren't people chasing after him. And I know it's a single-A ball in Georgia. But his build, his speed, his accuracy, his arm, um, he was overthrowing and putting it also just in the breadbasket of a guy in Raheem Brown that could freaking, he freaking ran a 4-2-9, man. Like, I mean, that shows you how strong Brock Vandegrift's arm is. So, um, he fits everything that Riley wants, personality. So, I don't know that, you, I, I agree with you. You don't risk it. It's impossible to at this point. You, you don't risk somebody that's already in the bag for potential somebody else. You know what I mean? just doesn't make sense. And like you said, Loyalty is what you stick with. With Redman, has been loyal to the University of Oklahoma. He keeps coming back and risking it. You're going to risk it for him as well. And at the same time, Brock Vandegrift has decided since you stuck with him and stuck all your eggs in the basket for him, he's going to stick with you, and you don't want to turn your back on that. And that that right there is something that will catch up to you in the long run. I mean, you already get the, the people saying, well, Oklahoma's just going to take another transfer. I mean, that, those are jokes that people – are saying already, well, he'll just transfer. Brock Vandegrift Vandiger, Brock is going to transfer because Oklahoma is just going to take another big-time uh, transfer quarterback in, just like they had with Kyler Baker and Jalen. But can, the, the fact that they're all different, those people don't really get that. And now that Oklahoma has really settled that quarterback at the quarterback position, and they weren't when they took those guys, it's a completely dis- different uh, situation, in my opinion. A thing I wanted to point to, that you talked about was that he played in private school play. And I think that one is, hey guys, Austin Stogner came out of TAPS in Texas. Uh, Texas Athletic, what is it, parochial? Oh, help me out, Brandon. Prestonwood Christian plays in this league. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I, I, I just know it is taps. What I'm saying is, it's yeah, that's what I know why, because I can't ever pronounce it. Small private school district school uh, football, right? And I'm going, it, would you throw Austin Stogner back? No, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> you know, it's, and I, I speak to that when I talk about Brock Vandergrift coming out of Prince Avenue Christian School in Bogart, Georgia. But also, some of this is just what we sometimes ding coaches for: is how many of you guys are actually watching the film how many of you guys are scouring the country or how many of you guys are just looking at the rankings 
You know, I mean, and one of the things I thought that Barton was very smart to point out was one, you got two years basically of, not basically, you have two years of Brock Vandegrift to develop, right? So him being ranked 35 in the top 247 would make him just outside the top 32, which are five-star quarterbacks, which are projected to be number one overall draft picks for prospective teams in the first round of the NFL draft the year that they could come out. I'm pointing that out to say he's, wait, we take into account other evaluators, and other evaluators include head coaches like Lincoln Riley. So Lincoln Riley, as Barton said, making a big red circle around Brock Vandegrift goes into our thinking. And I think this is the way that I would put the 2021 rankings coming out in April. It's like the way too early 2020 NFL mock draft stuff, man. All right? It's a bunch of guys that need to evaluate talents that they haven't seen a whole lot of, but that they kind of liked or didn't like based on flashes while they're watching other guys in the year before them. Because that's what they got to get right. Because by the time the cycle ends, when the final rankings come out, you have to nail it. Because we're going to talk about you in the NFL draft and how many five-stars are drafted, how many four-stars are drafted. Hey, how did you guys miss on Josh Allen, who was a two-star? All of these things matter, and Barton was very smart to point out we're trying to get it right. And I think in trying to get it right, you get to lean on a guy like Lincoln Riley, who watched a bunch of film and saw a kid that he absolutely loved and made the decision to go get him. And now we're talking about Brock Vandegrift in the way that we were talking about Spencer Rattler like a year ago, not two years ago, a year ago. And I think that's fascinating. I, I really do. I think being able to take into account what coaches see and who they offer is a big part of it. Also, yep. having to see what you see with your own eyes is a big part of it. Because you and I, we disagree about stuff. I mean, you and I are going to go out to see, uh, we're recording this on a Thursday, so we're going to go see a 7-on-7 tournament tomorrow, which has got a bunch of huge Oklahoma high schools in it. And I believe that Jordan Reagan is good enough to play at Oklahoma as a six foot two and a half. Ooh, I agree. Right, right. I agree. And there are people yeah. that don't, right? I think that Brendan yeah. Presley at Bixby also is good enough to play at Oklahoma. He's just yeah, short. Slot. He'd be a great slot, yep. Right, and there's a bunch he'd of He'd be a great corner. He's, he's very feisty at corner, too, but yeah. Right. I think they'd see him as a slot just because of his height. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just saying that there are times when you and... This is, these are not good examples, but there are times when me and you <laughs> disagree. <laughs> he's horrible. Right, I was about to say. There are times when you and me disagree. Um, oh, hell. I, man, what were we talking about? Oh, Jalen Redmond. There you go. There you go. I think that Jalen Redmond can play when he's healthy, but I'm not. Yeah, you and I agree on how they deal with him. Yes. Right. Well, we I disagree just, on that. We disagree on how they deal with him. Yes. But I also okay. think it's, this is also one of the reasons that I love working with B and B loves working with me. Or am I putting words in your mouth? I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, I agree. Okay. I agree with you. So, I agree with you on this. So I do agree with you on this. Because <laughs> the way that he goes about getting news and information is not necessarily the way I go about getting news information. We always meet at the same place. And I think that's one of the reasons why this podcast is awesome and why what we're doing at Insider is awesome. But bringing it back around to Brock Vandergriff and the ranking. One, he's going to go up, people. Okay? Um, Barton won't say he's going up or going down. So this is me, right? This is me. I'm saying it. I'm saying he's going to go up. I don't know how far up. I don't know where he could stop. He could have a really crappy season. And stay put or go down. I still think that Lincoln Riley likes his guy. And because Lincoln Riley likes his guy, we all do. I also think this is going to stretch. Because now we get to talk about the 2021 class. And the way that we were talking about the 2019 class. And that, I think, is kind of cool. Because there's even been rumblings on our board about, are you even going to get 
15, 20 commits in this class, guys? Like, you would think so, right? But also, <laughs> who are they offering that wants to go yeah. to Oklahoma, right? So that's a real question. Like, if you had to project right now, as they sit with one more com- no, no, with the same amount of commits, 13, as Oklahoma State to this point, and Oklahoma State has made a really big push to go get in-state kids, where do you think Oklahoma ends up in the grand tally of 2020 recruits? What's the number? You mean total? Total. Oh, 23. Which is two below the 25 that you could take each year. 22, 23. They could actually push the 25. Let's see how this all plays out. That's all I'm going to say. Like, I, I think there's a chance Oklahoma takes all 25. See, now it's getting interesting. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you some tough questions now because, well, hell, it's fun. So feel free to push and ride the fence or whatever. Yeah, yeah appreciate you. <laughs> don't, don't put me on the spot too much. I mean, hey, you're, you, are, you are a lead guy. I'm just the guy I making videos and podcasts and doing a radio show. Because they've got all these dudes that are in the that are already in the portal. They're taking up scholarship spots. I, I, now, the second I, I, they leave, right. the second they go somewhere else, that's what that's what we're waiting on. Well, I'm also and then you're going to get up to 25 at that point. I'm also waiting on kids to make a move, right? As we get, I mean, we're basically a week away from uh, the opening final. Right, which is in Frisco, and uh, I know you're going down there for the whole event. I'm going to try to get down there for a few days this year, um, possibly, unless I have to have surgery again, which I will. Yeah, that would suck. But you're you're also the kind of person who will be down there with your foot half cut off. So I'm not really <laughs> worried about that part. Like I'm worried about your health more than I'm worried about whether or not you're going to get your butt down to to Frisco. <laughs> Come hell or high water, you got to get there. And I wish y'all Pretty much yes. understood how hard. B works. I, I work really hard. I do. I love to work. But I'll be like, yo, B, I got to go to sleep. And he'll be like, okay, well, I'm going to drive out and do this thing. And, you know, I'm home when I'm home. Lives out of his car. Like, I can't say enough good things about how hard Drum works and how he's really working his Yankees job. And it's, it's awesome. And because of that, we are all beneficiaries of his work. Now, all that aside, what the hell's Keely Ringo going to do, man? I'm picking Texas. <laughs> and you could hear somebody yell, damn it! I know. Sorry, guys. Yeah, no, I, I am. But look, I think Oklahoma has, like, we put up on the board, um, or put up early, I guess it was Monday. It was really weird because so Sunday night I'm like just chilling and I get this text message and it says, Jaquez Robinson. And I was like, what the heck does this guy want? And I look down. He's like, hey, man, I'm taking official to Oklahoma at uh, the beginning of the year. And I was like, wait, what? He goes, yeah, my dad and I decided, eh, let's go take a look and see if we're really satisfied with Alabama. I was like, whoa. So this is this is a big move because this boy is six foot three and probably 180. Now, before Ryan can, Watts came on the came on the scene for me, I, I, this was the first kid that I was excited to talk to, so excited to get see an offer go out to you, and then, he got yeah, he's unbelievable too. Right, you got the offer dropped into him by uh, Alabama. It was like, oh, okay. But I also was always wondering aloud, you know, just how badly do they want him? Oh, they do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they want him bad, um, bad enough that they keep talking to him, and he keeps talking to them. So, um, and he set up an official visit. So that's great news. He's committed to Alabama, um, and and you know that's that's the funny part about all this. 
Oklahoma has a chance, and people want to say that they. So Roy Manning is getting negative recruited against, right? So we know that, but and it's because he was a linebacker coach. But the the fact of the matter is, see, everyone wants to you know throw away the fact that he was a good cornerbacks coach at Michigan during his time there, and but everybody wants to throw that away because if they can make it a perception of that he was nothing but a linebackers coach and that's all he's ever done, and that's fine. And that works. And it has worked to an extent against Oklahoma. But Oklahoma has been able to fight it off. Dante Manning situation, a prime example of that where it was used against them. And Riley and Manning and Grinch really went in there and, and saved that deal. And so he's still committed. His mom still wants him at Oklahoma right now. Do I think that there's still a chance that he could decommit? Absolutely. But right now, Oklahoma feels a lot better than they did a couple of days ago. You know what I mean? Because that, that was looking bad at one point. Now, Manning, at, at the same time, he's a great recruiter because he's so outgoing that he can fight through a lot of that junk um, and the stuff that's being said about him. And he's done so, and he has one of the better defensive back classes in the country already. And it's worked out. And he can say, hey, hey man, Jaquez, you're going to go out to sit at uh, Alabama. You come over here. You can start as a freshman. I mean, that that's that's that is the reality of the situation. I also need to just non-segue here. I need to drop the Brock Vandegrift interview somewhere. So I'm going to drop it right here. <laughs> First off, you and I talked last week, obviously in person. Uh, since that visit happened, what has your process been like before you made this decision? Uh that morning, I think it was a Sunday morning, I told uh, Coach Riley in his office, I plan on committing, but uh, my mom said don't make impulse decisions instead of my dad, so we, uh, we were going to tell him we'd call him back within the next two or three days, which I'm about then for sure, but uh, so we didn't really know when we wanted to release it, just kind of somewhere down the road, but not too late because we didn't want to make Coach Riley wait. And obviously, it's been a big deal, you've got two Heisman Trophy winners, the last two tweeting at you, congratulating you. What is what is that like? Is that as a as a player? And I know that would be huge for anybody ever. But as a player, a quarterback, having those two tweet at you, going to the same school that you're going to be going to. What what is the feeling behind that? Uh, it was uh, it was awesome. We just got off the field from seven on seven, so my phone was just it was off the, it was off the hook, and all my friends were like, "Bro, bro, Bacon and Tyler's huge," so. I looked at it and it's it's just it's, it's a good feeling because I know I'm I'm welcome into the family and into the brotherhood that the quarterback position is. Yeah, did did I have you ever talked to Baker and Kyler before? Uh, I was in, I was with Kyler in uh, person at the meeting, uh, my first visit. So we talked there, and uh, I don't think I talked to Baker. Okay. Is, that, is he a guy that you've kind of looked up to or idolized as far as playing style? Because I know you're both kind of athletic, move around in the pocket type guys. Uh, yes, sir. I mean, I mean, I look up to him as, as a leader on the field, and some people say some different things about him, but I think I just think he's a dog. I love the way he plays, <laughs> and uh, he's a competitive guy, and he gets after it. Are you are you ready? I know you grew up around Georgia and Florida. Are you ready for the OU Texas thing where the hate is just? It's thick. I mean, Baker's still talking noise. He's been gone for oh, yeah. two years. Have they have they talked to you about that? Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's 
a brutal rival, but just, I mean, you can compare it to high school rivalries. Yeah. Know, we have a big one, the Prince Avenue Rapids Academy, so I'm sure it's nothing like that. I'm sure it's way worse, but in the end, it's just another game. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Um, as far as when, when, when was it that you knew that you were going to be a sooner? I know, I know that you said you, you told Riley on that visit, but your dad says you kind of got that feeling back in April that was going to be the case. Is that is that true? Uh, yes, sir, because my mom, she would tell me, don't make impulse decisions, don't do anything like that. And just I had, I had to explain to her, like, this is all I've been thinking about that they've offered me. This is all I've been thinking about since I've been recruited. It's just where I want to go, and that just, Oklahoma met all the boxes, met all the requirements, and they were they were the number one from the from the get go. Honestly, your your dad, I got two more for you, real quick. Your dad said, yes, "Look, Riley did it right because there was these other schools offering a bunch of other 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 quarterbacks in that, in that class, but you are it. How much of a, how much did that play in a play in your decision? It's just." It, 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 it's crazy to me that he, he believed me that much just from the start because he's taking a gamble just offering one one guy because if that guy doesn't commit then he's going to be late on all the other quarterbacks and kind of they're, they're going to feel a little disrespected as well and just mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it's honestly crazy how he just he believed me that much only offered one guy and just he didn't pressure me at all he didn't he didn't act like I was the only guy he offered so it was just it, it felt great honestly no doubt, and I guess the last thing is, what are some of the guys that you're going to go after? I know I've talked to Latron Neville, who has said that you and him are, are boys, um, wide receiver out of Houston area. Um, what are some of the guys in the 2021 class, either side of the ball, that you feel like you're going to go after and try to get to join you? Shoot, I don't really, I don't really know that side of the country so much. So whoever's reaching out to me, I'll be getting them back up and. We'll, we'll try to get some guys from, uh, from the old Georgia hotbed over there with them too. Is there any guys in particular you want to join? Want, want to join you from Georgia? Uh, shoot, my man Julian Nixon, receiver at Centennial. He was hurt last year, but he's a dog. So we've been okay. talking. We've been trying to link up in college. Yes, sir. All right. Ironically, you said link up because that is the hashtag that they're using for the 2021 oh, yeah. class. All right, man. I uh, appreciate you doing this quick interview for our podcast. Uh, sure. Congratulations. This is Brock Vandergriff, Prince Avenue Christian at Athens, Georgia, five-star quarterback, just committed to Oklahoma. Thanks, bro. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, like, I, I felt like I was going to, like, when you were talking about him, I was like, man, this is a good place to cut him off. And just, it, it, and then you, know, you should have cut me off. Yeah, well, I shouldn't have pivoted toward trying to grill you about Keely Ringo. Oh, yeah, you went like, straight into Keely. I was like, that, wait, right. what the heck was that? Right, that's my karma. That's my karma. But, you know, look, I'm, I'm doing what the heck is that because these are the burning questions of our subs. Oh, yeah, he's going to love this podcast because it's going to be like, oh, okay. That right, sense. right, right. And I guess one of the others that I wanted to, to kick around with you is uh, just the idea behind what is the linebacker recruiting looking like? Because there's lots of guys we like, right? But there's not lots of guys that you can really just point to and say, you know what? Uh, you know, Brendan Walker could play some linebacker, but he's I mean, he's a committed Oklahoma State, right? I mean, if he flips, he flips. Yeah. Uh, you're also looking going, okay, Bryce Washington's a safety. You're also going, Corey Williams, you'd love to have him, but he doesn't seem that interested. It feels like it's a very far away thing for Justin Flo to even look this direction. Yep. 
you know, like... No, I mean, but you got Edron Cooper who just visited this right, past week. Right, right, Love the visit. He's going to set up an official. He hasn't set up a date or a game yet, but he's going to, and he says that Oklahoma is right up there near the top for him. Um, then you have, obviously, the Brennan Walker situation. There's not a lot Oklahoma can do because there's only one spot inside linebacker. Obviously, outside, that's different. And that's, that's the beauty about Brennan Walker is if somebody goes and they take this that inside backer spot, you can play outside backer too because he's built that way. So, and that's what he's done his whole career. So, I mean, it, it's he, he has a chance to really play both positions, and that's what they told him. That, oh, we're going to recruit you for both. Whatever you want to do, we can do. If they land Brennan Walker, they can still go take another inside backer. That's the beauty of landing Brennan Walker. Because you can take another guy and be like, hey, we'll just move you over here because you fit. If you don't fit there, we'll move you inside and let you play. I mean, he's that athletic. He's that good. Um, and I think he deserves a fourth star, in my opinion. But um, that, that that's it. I mean, look, they're offering guys. I think you're going to see more uh, stuff happen. And I'm, I'm not going to close the door on Antonio Dwight. I know people want to say that it's shut and he, he shut down. I don't think he's taking the official visit to A&M that he was supposed to. But he goes to a school that is very pro-Oklahoma. Um, and he, he goes to a school where Ronnie Perkins came from. And he goes to a school where a couple of his other buddies are very pro-Oklahoma. And I'm talking 2021 guys that Oklahoma's recruiting. So it's it's there's a chance that Antonio Doyle could be still in the mix. And I still think he is. I think with all that we it, have... It was, I just want to add, it, it's a, it, Odom, does Odom want to steal from his brother? Yes! That's that, well, I mean, that... that that's what, what, are you, what are you, what kind of question is that? The same does Kale want to steal from say, Mike? Right, but I mean, that, we haven't seen it, that's what I'm saying. That's We haven't seen it. That's, that, that's what I'm saying. Good, we've seen bro, it, this is Oklahoma. We've seen it with Gunny, that, so we don't question that. Do we do, do we do we think that's going to happen? You know, with, I, 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 I think it does, because I know they know it's a business. I just... Well, more than that, I, I think I think Lincoln's as cutthroat as anybody, and he hired the guy. And I'm sure, yeah. During the interview, it's like, all right, they're in Missouri, we're in Oklahoma, we're right. connected. Where are your allegiance? And I think you know his allegiance have to be with the place that he's working. And I think if nobody gets that better than Barry, why does he still have a head coaching job? You know, not to put Barry Odom front center of this conversation, but I never understand that because we live in a capitalist society. We live in a capitalist system. It ain't built for us to all succeed. It's built for the best of us to rise to the top. And money, many times that means Kevin Durant leaves Oklahoma City to go to Gold State so he can win two rings. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I look at it. So, I mean, I get what you're saying, and I get that you'd expect it to blow up and me to take that angle, but I, I, I host a radio show now, so I, kinda, I just kind of do that. Um, yeah, you're good. No, I, I agree with what you're saying. So, I mean, it's nothing. Uh, it's just something that I'm, I'm curious about going forward. Okay. Well, I mean, it'd be something to watch. Um, man, we covered a lot. There's a lot of good, awesome, solid interviews in this podcast. I hope everybody enjoys it. Um, is there something that you wanted to add before we shut it down? Um, I guess Oklahoma's hosting a five-star 2021, ironically, the same day. Uh, defensive back. And Tony Grimes, uh, this weekend, I think tomorrow, he'll be in town. Uh, and I think four-star Joshua Eaton will be in town uh, for 
Steve is back out of Houston uh, tonight, he said. Something like that. I, I thought he was texting me earlier. Um, so that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, Oklahoma is really... Like I said, Manning is fighting through all this, and it's, it's unbelievable to watch, actually. All right. Well, there you have it. That's my man, Brandon Drum, bringing all the news and notes that we love. Uh, he calls himself my sidekick on the podcast, but I feel like that's got flipped around and, and told backwards. Dude, I'm having a blast doing this. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you, man. No, nah, man. For real. You're big time. You're but good. also, I do want to say something. Uh, Rick Vandegrift has, and Brock were still great to me throughout their whole process. I mean, from okay. January on, I mean, they called. I mean, called me and said, hey, come do a face-to-face interview in the lobby of the hotel room. I mean, who does that? Nobody does that. And that was out of the blue that they called and asked me to do that. So, I mean, stuff like that is really cool. And that's, that's for, for what we do in our business, that's neat to see them understand that we also, you know, we have a job that we want to do. We don't want to pester them. And for them to reach out to us, that was super neat. He did it again today after the commit twice. And he doesn't have to do that. that He's become kind of a friend, and that's really cool. So I just want to thank them for you know that for being really nice and cool throughout the process because I know they they just got blown up the whole time. No doubt, brother. No doubt. Um, this is fun. I hope I want to see what this one does. Uh, honestly, because we busted behind to get to this place right now, and I'm really I'm I'm so proud of you. More than anything else. Like, oh, I, man, no, I'm proud of you, for real. I appreciate it, bro. Uh, <laughs> that, now, now that we are bromosexuals and we're hugging it out on yeah. the podcast, I'm going to let you bro, brother, and uh, I'll catch you in a minute. All right, bro. See you. All right.